0: To you from a listening boy in the Romulan neutral zone. This is Politrix. The Prime Directive, the Declaration of Human Rights, The United Federation of Planets, The United Nations, World War II.
1: I'm Shoshan Kabaru.
0: And I'm Barry DeFord.
1: And welcome to Polytrex. Uh, this is a show where we examine politics, religion, society, spiritualism through the lens of Star Trek. We take ideas and people from both of these worlds, hold them up against each other, and see if we can come up with interesting things that will help us uh, understand our reality better and uh, expose more ideas that seem not discussed as much it's it's essentially a very thinker uh, politics society star trek show
0: if you like doonesbury and you like star trek and you like watching the news and you like buddy comedies this is basically your podcast that's what i would say <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh especially the buddy comedy part because we do try to get in our most original jokes so this is also we're also trying to get our uh Comedy stand-up act going apparently, which I just made up in the last thirty seconds. So this is a show where you can also hear the beginnings of what will one day be a great comedy doer.
0: Exactly. I I couldn't agree more, sir.
1: Yeah, I I I think of as a little bit uh, like a like a great twenty first century comedy doer, and uh, uh, I hope I hope that's something that will get going soon. But until we get there, which probably will be never, welcome to Polytracks. the, this is our second episode, and uh, today's episode will uh, involve us talking mainly about The Traveller. Uh, but a couple of things have happened since we recorded our last episode uh, that, that we think would be great to just talk to you guys about. Uh, we finally have a Facebook page, and uh, we have a Twitter handle. They're both polytreks. That's uh, P-O-L-I-T-R-E-K-S you will see our cool logo at least we think it's really cool with uh, uh, the the symbol of uh, Starfleet superimposed
0: under with uh, other political and popular religious symbols what symbol uh, what symbol are you talking about because i recognize the uh, the hammer and sickle of course of uh, of communism which is a, a form of politics and then i recognize the uh, the united nations uh, which is a political uh, group but, but what is that that funny-looking thing at the bottom, Shashank. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: I am so glad you asked. That is a trident. uh, Specifically, that is Shiva's trident. It is uh, the the main weapon uh, slash object that people associate with uh, the god of destruction, Shiva, in Hinduism. Uh, But I've also tried to make it a very generic trident, so we can also maybe happily confuse it with the trident of Poseidon or other tridents from mythology, and religion. The idea was to have one political symbol, one diplomatic slash international relationship slash society symbol, and one religion symbol, and then superimpose all of them over our traditional Star Trek symbol to see to to get the point across about the show.
0: Well, that's pretty cool. I also. Uh... That uh, little spaceship uh, stick figure of the Enterprise, I'll just let everyone know I've been drawing that since I was about 12. So uh, I guess I realized why I was doing it. I was preparing for this podcast.
1: This Everything is coming together. And I, I, I have to take this opportunity to tell you, that is a very cool minimalist uh, Starship logo that I never thought we could we could show. But uh, the, the Starship itself relies on such detail I never thought you could get away with something so minimalist, and yet you did it. That was that's a beautiful looking uh, uh, name tag.
0: I like that you're confusing minimalism with I can't draw, but that that works too.
1: This is art, Barry. This is art. That's how you get things across.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's art, sure.
1: <laughs> no, but no, you you can definitely draw, and that's a great logo. Uh, anyway, I think it's uh, uh, there is one other thing that uh, we there are two other things that we we'd like you to know about. Uh, it, one is our Patreon page. Uh, you can you can support us on Patreon through the Tricorder Transmissions Patreon page. Uh, uh, Barry, would you like to tell us how to? how we how we can get to that page
0: absolutely i'd love to shashank so like shashank said you can find us on facebook and twitter @polytrex you can also find us on the tricorder transmissions podcast network website at tricorder transmissions.com there you're going to find many other fabulous shows such as our flagship show the tricorder transmissions podcast other shows such as shore leave trek ranks drawing trek many many more we have uh, quite the armada starting up now You can also call into the show as well, leave a voicemail at 609-512-LLAP, that's 609-512-5527. Those are some of the ways you can get a hold of us, and obviously we always love to hear from folks who are looking for good conversation, and uh, if you do find yourself with the ability to support us on Patreon, top right of the page, you'll find the button for that.
1: open our show by talking about current events. And with this week's current events,
0: here is Barry DeFord. Thank you very much, Shashank. I uh, would like to start our uh, conversation off with uh, something that's a little on little on the ongoing side. And by the time you guys hear this uh, episode, I'm sure more revelations will have come out. But uh, since the aftermath of the Harvey Weinstein uh, sex abuse scandal that has been plaguing um, our uh, our society for much longer than I think we all would care to admit um one of our own um and I'm almost certain that uh, basically one of our vocal own as I'm sure there's probably more but um uh, sadly uh, but Anthony Rapp has come forward with um allegations against uh, Kevin Spacey um, when, especially when, uh, Anthony was, uh, much younger, about 14 years old. So this is sort of called to, to question a lot of, uh, how we see power. Um, and, and I think how power ends up uh, manifesting itself. Uh, all of these people, all of these men, uh, tend to be in these power relationships with other people and they're using their power for, um, for sexual gratification, which, uh, you know, it, it's really hard to see and it's really hard to, uh, to look at, but I really do think that, uh, unless we, unless we look at this with unflinching eyes, we're, uh, we're, we're doomed to just keep repeating it. And I don't know, as, as our society kind of moves forward with everything, I'm always a little bit concerned that this is, uh, something that's going to get a lot of publicity now and it might float away and become not a problem again. So, uh, Shashank, what are your responses to, um, just just these allegations that are happening and maybe what what this calls on us you know you and me as uh heterosexual cisgendered males um these are the these are for the most part are the perpetrators um sometimes not not heterosexual but but a lot of these uh, males are using their power for for not good at all what would you have to say about that
1: yeah it, the, the pattern is very interesting uh, you can right off the bat see that there is a pattern of, of people who are abusing their power sexually it's usually white uh, older male people and uh, it used to be mostly straight until these new revelations came out uh, but there is a, there is certainly a, a line that you can draw there if if i were to be honest i don't think uh, I, I don't think any of these are some any of these events were happening uh, Recently, there there are clearly things that that have been happening for so long. Some other world has learned to live with it, or continue to ignore it, or or just just push it under the rug. Uh, that that disturbs me. But I think the real heroes in this entire situation are people who have finally found the courage to speak up and and and, and people who are coming together to support these people and tell them it's okay for you to speak up and there is a community of support and love for you to, to tell us, uh, to, to, to just share your story. And uh, there is definitely much less, there is much less, uh, oh, is that really what happened? Is that really sexual abuse? There's much less of that, which I, I appreciate a whole lot. Uh, I'm also very endeared and uh, encouraged to note that out of such terrible circumstances, good news is coming out too. House of Cards has decided uh, that they will not be bringing Kevin Spacey back. And if there is a future to that show, it will be without Kevin Spacey. House of Cards used to be one of my favorite TV shows. I tried to watch it uh, after these new revelations, but I realized I cannot bring myself to watch it. That says a bit about me as a human being too. And I think it's a good thing that people have decided to examine their heroes better and that's very much what we do with with our with our show here uh, is we, we try to understand better about history and and the world and uh, re-examine everything that we thought we knew and clearly it is it is where the world is going. people are not sitting around and accepting everything at face value so that that definitely comforts me I think what the best thing that we as cisgendered straight males can do is just listen to people if somebody has this story to share, it's important to remember that this is all coming out now in the entertainment industry because the entertainment industry is usually the focus of much of our news, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening elsewhere. I personally have known people who have gone through all this and they were never in the entertainment industry. They're people who work everyday jobs like you and I and have a life outside of that field. And I think the best thing we can do as males around the world especially those who have been fortunate enough to not have gone through something like this is just take a day out of our lives or take a minute of our day, uh, just sit down and listen to a person and, and talk to them and, and share uh, our feelings about it with them and tell them that we're there for them. I think that's the best thing we can possibly do.
0: I, I would agree uh, completely. And <clears throat> I think maybe almost, um, one of the most difficult things to think about as well is the times that maybe even you or I have made um, a woman or, or someone in a vulnerable state feel uncomfortable, maybe even unbeknownst to ourselves, because, you know, um, especially for myself, you know, I, I do I do recognize that I come from something of a privileged position um, being where I'm from. And my my 18 to 35 year old white Anglo-Saxon male status um, the only thing I have going against me is I'm left-handed. So it makes, you know, like some desks hard or like <laughs> can openers are tough, you know, like woe is me sort of deal. But I think, I think, yeah, I think to also check ourselves and make sure that, that, that we know, we know where we are, who we are. Um, and, and, and just try to try to take ourselves outside of that, um, outside of that bubble that we live in. Um, my students, uh, I'm i I'm a school teacher, uh, in rural Canada. And, um, My students asked me a question the other day, who would you like to be, right? As as if they were going to get me to to say like Bruce Lee or, or, you know, Amelia Earhart or or something like that, you know, and I just specifically told them and and this had come up this whole, you know, conversation had come up. I said, I I think I would just want to be a woman for a day and, and really it would be, I would want to be a woman for a day who'd have to just like go run errands or something because, you know knowing i've been very close with my mom i grew up with uh uh three three um very strong young women uh from down the street Uh, we spent time playing in the backyard and having fun and going on camping trips and stuff like that i'm aware that their experience of the world that i share is just completely different and to give me that personal context like i feel like i'm not woke or anything like that i think though i i know that that I'm appalled by what's happened and what is happening and stuff like that. I know that this will call on me to, to think a lot more seriously about a lot of things. And, and yeah, I think one way to do that, if I, if I could have any wish, it would just be to be a woman who had to go down the street, who had to drive in a car to a place, who had to go to a job interview. I think that would give me insights that I can just not possibly have in the position that I'm in right now. So, I hope I don't get too heavy or too deep here or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of strength happening here. I think there's a lot of progression happening here. And, uh, for anyone, um, who's like, well, you know, this is just social justice warriors doing blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, no, it's not. This is, this is an entire sector of our population. Um, empowering itself taking taking uh, another step forward um just like they did a hundred years ago in my country by getting the vote um and that's only white women who got the vote um first nations women would have to wait until the 1970s so we have a long way to go and if we think that history has ended that's a conceit so that that's kind of where i'm at right now and uh i think that's as far as i can go I would love to have uh, maybe more of a discussion on this, but with more qualified parties than than you or me, Shashank. Sadly, I don't know if we're we're fully qualified on all of this, but these are our thoughts, and uh, you're welcome to uh, to respond to it uh, and talk to us about it.
1: I I certainly think that while we might not be qualified to talk about it from the first person point of view, there are things that we have contributed to as well, knowingly or unknowingly. Uh, First off, I'll try to tackle that social justice warrior part. I come from a country that very recently got its independence. Uh, We are not even 100 years old in terms of getting our independence and being India. We have always been the British Empire, even a little less than 100 years ago. So if there were no social justice warriors, I don't think we'd ever get our independence. So when people talk about, oh, you're a social justice warrior, social justice warriors got us the, the freedoms that we have in this world. Uh, so maybe take a closer look at you, the person you're yelling at on the Internet against uh, social justice warriors are definitely there are, there are people that are, are out there i'll concede to that point but i think it's important to always have that voice i think it's also a big reason why you and i are uh, we don't eat meat is because we've gotten to a point where we understand the terrible things that happen to animals in that industry uh it's in there is abuse happening there but it's of a whole different kind and i think the one position that we are qualified to, to talk to people about from from our perspective is is the listener's perspective is that uh, growing up i it's so interesting that i have been in three different continents uh, throughout my life i have been uh, i have been in africa i have been in Indi- in asia and now i'm in uh, the the americas and all throughout my life, I have met female friends who at one point or another have talked about how they've been sexually abused. It's it's a disease that's prevalent across the world. And the best thing we can do is just listen to what they have to say and just tell them that your voice is heard and your story is believed. And if that is how you felt, we are, we are there with you and we are happy to do anything you'd like us to do. I, I think that is more than what... Uh, that that is more than satisfactory to them. It it gives them certain validation when somebody listens to their story and and tells them they they believe in what what they have to tell us.
0: I couldn't have said it better myself. And so yeah, um, hashtag Me Too campaign. Um, up here in Canada, at least there's the hashtag I Believe You campaign as well. Um, yeah, listening. That's 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 your and my job. Um, and uh, and I'm very very happy to be a part of that. So here's to here's to here's to some listening in the future. Um, and present and onward. So, uh moving on to the next piece of the news that we're going on here is um in uh, the country that uh Shishank calls home right now, um the United States of America, there is some um some actual indictments taking place um for uh, Paul Manafort and uh a fellow by the name of Papadopoulos have been uh, they're being indicted for, uh, collusion or at least, um, um, I think it's, you said something along the lines of money laundering. Was that right, Shashank? Uh,
1: yeah, it's, uh, those are the official charges that Paul Manafort has been charged with. He's been charged with money laundering, but he has been indicted on, uh, on about, I want to say a little less than a dozen charges. Uh, one of them includes for both of these conspiracy against the United States, and I don't think that's something they've charged him with yet. And I I understand why, just from the workings of the FBI, what they traditionally do is they give people lighter sentences, people at the bottom rung, so they can so they can squeal on on people uh, in the circle of power and help them get. Uh, they essentially help them get to the the people in power, and this is what they do. They they give they tell them you have a dozen charges. If I if I give you the full, uh, if I put on you the full wrath of these charges, you will go to jail for the rest of your life. But I'm just, I'm going to let you get away with five years, and in return you'll have to squeal on Jeff Sessions or you'll have to squeal on one of the higher people working in the campaign and we just want you to, to give us your recordings and come and testify and then you can serve your five years and we'll call it even. That's traditionally what they do, so I'm not surprised that they have been let off with usually unusually lighter charges.
0: Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> I guess I guess just sort of the um the, the tone of, of all of this is just so very adversarial um, uh, neither of us were alive for for a scandal like this in, in the United States but obviously a lot of people are moving toward the Watergate scandal um, where uh, obviously there was a, an, an impeachment process was put in place of course the other scandal of course would be uh, or presidential one would be with Bill Clinton um, and some of the uh, sexual allegations towards him um, Shashank you live there I mean I'm 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 up in uh, I'm I'm up on America's hat right now uh, <laughs> how, how are you feeling how are you feeling about this as as a as an individual uh, living in the United States what what what's the, what's the tone uh,
1: what I find very fascinating is uh, this has been just the the last week has been very interesting in terms of not just what what is going on with the case uh, regarding the collusion of the Trump campaign, but the reaction to it. Uh, this is not a joke. People who are listening can go look it up. On the day the entire world was covering the Trump-Russia collusion and how Paul Manafort and George Papadopoulos were uh, charged with uh, with possible conspiracy, Fox News for the entire day scrambled to find any news that is not the collusion campaign. They were, they were talking early in the hour uh, about the cheeseburger emoji, they were talking about hot Halloween costumes. They were, they were talking about anything except for the actual collusion part. The only time they covered it was a throwaway 20-second, 30-second uh, segment they did where they said, oh, this is happening. By the way, have you heard the thing about Google and cheeseburgers and how nobody likes their cheeseburger emoji? And the best part was people everywhere smelled it. They immediately called it. They said, we see you. We see what you're doing. And this is ridiculous. If you're going to spend every day talking about a bunch of emails that were typed on a computer, you have to cover this and you're not. And it clearly shows that you are being a propaganda machine. I hope my political allegations aren't showing, but just objectively, you can see that all they want to do is is hide people from from what the real dangers are and where the world is catching up to what, what really happened in that campaign.
0: Yeah, you know, the, the the concept of echo chamber always comes up to me. I mean, we all consume news very differently now. Um, up here in Canada, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is government-run, is changing the way it does its, it's like anchored news, its national news coming up right away, where they're actually going to do smaller segments, or sorry, longer longer segments on fewer things. And um, it's going to be a cam- kind of maybe a little bit more um, sort of, through Twitter and YouTube and they've got all these sorts of things. And I know that some, some, um, news agencies and whatnot in the United States have started to do this, but I almost wonder if, um, you know, the 24 hours news cycle, um, with its, with its divulgence of information on a, on a constant basis, especially if you're trying to, uh, I guess, sort of engineer a narrative, you know, it's funny how you're saying they're talking about emojis and all this. It's almost like they're trying to engineer a, a slow news day um, when they do talk about, like, puppies or, you know, or about, you know, like a, a new type of shingle, you know, <laughs> or, 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 you know, just kind of whatever and, and stuff like that.
1: Absolutely. It is. It's like them trying to throw a blanket over a house on fire and say there is nothing wrong here. This is completely fine. Please walk away and continue the rest of your day to pretend like everything is normal. Uh, it's also happening on the on the social media groups and people on the internet. They still refuse to uh, believe that there is some kind of collusion that happened. If you just if you just follow the the paper trail on this, we know that Donald Trump Jr. met. With with Russians, uh, we know that there were Russian propaganda machines throughout the campaign. We now know that there are two people who've been charged with uh, collusion, or will be charged with collusion, or have been indicted on collusion. And yet there are people who want to deny that. And it that reminds me so much of uh, Picard and Four Lights and just that entire that 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 Cardassian uh, Picard uh kerfuffle that happens. It's uh it, I can't help but go back to that.
0: And 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 uh so do you think they're they're actually just shouting what Picard was saying?
1: <laughs> I I it's I think that Picard trying to hang on to reality uh through the through that lightboard is is all of us right now. It's we are we're trying to hang on to to the the four lights even though everybody else is telling us that's not how many lights there are it's it's certainly there is there is certainly a denial of clear reality that's happening
0: yeah what i was gonna say here in that respect is is maybe it's it's something more of like a, a double think in action i don't know if any of our listeners are, are familiar with orwell i teach him in my uh, diploma level uh, english course and uh, I sort of think of the idea here of, you know, if people accept the reality that they're given, um, they'll tend to comply with its parameters, even if they know something is wrong.
1: That is a great segue into our main topic today, because if I'm not wrong, that is a quote from the traveler.
0: You know, I th- I'm not sure if it's a direct quote, but if not, I mean, it's something that he espouses basically every time he shows up. So, yeah, let's go on to that main topic then.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Uh, our main topic today is uh, is a very underrated character in Star Trek, particularly The Next Generation. He's a character who, in my opinion, has never gotten the full justice the character deserves. If I was alive back then, I would start a letter-writing campaign called Justice for Traveler. And it just seems so, so wrong to me that this character was not as realized as he should have been. And I say that knowing that he is probably not the right term because the the traveler in the first minute of his introduction says, I would give you my real name, but it's unpronounceable to human beings. So that, what, that is just how incredible that character I mean,
0: is. When I think of that, I always think of the, uh, the Simpsons with Kang and Kodos and they're like, uh, in order to pronounce my name correctly, I'd have to pull out your tongue. Um, that's the that's the cynical side, I guess. But uh, absolutely, you know, Shashank, the uh, the traveler gets this rap um, among among a lot of my trek friends who are like, "Well, he's sort of whatever." Um, you know, he he's not he's not a uh, you know. Some people wonder if he's like a half baked character or if he's too connected to Wesley and Wesley's character never got fully realized or you know just you know he 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 showed up, however, in in Gene Roddenberry's time, right? Gene Roddenberry was still executive producer and would have been a creative force behind his inception. So that's uh, that, That's sort of where I was coming from when you first talked to me about this episode was, was like, oh, we're going to talk about that guy who shows up in three episodes and, and sort of pals around with, with Wesley and, you know, sends the Enterprise to unfathomable parts of the universe and then just sort of phases out. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy you've decided to to get us there. So I would get you to maybe to start us off with uh, maybe some of your initial initial points about this uh, much maligned and maybe not fully understood character.
1: Absolutely. Uh, one of the first things that we talked about when we came up with Polytrex is how to, how to approach characters that people don't often talk about. And The Traveler was the first one I went to. And Barry was quick to remind me that there is deep hate for this character, which I never understood because I was, for better or for worse, out of that fan bubble where apparently everybody knows that The Traveler is a terrible character. I have a theory just to start off with, with The Traveler and Gene Roddenberry. It's often, uh, it's well known in Trek Circles that uh, Wesley Crusher's character is a stand-in for a young Gene Roddenberry. The the character himself is very much like a young Gene Roddenberry. And I think to mirror that, the traveler is an older Gene Roddenberry. The traveler is a real life Gene uh, is a Star Trek's real life version of what Gene Roddenberry would have been like. He would have stopped everyone and said, "Hey, stop worrying about your your petty little quarrels. Look at this giant universe we are in that is full of ideas and infinite possibilities and 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 places that humanity has not even conceived of. Let's go there. Why are we wasting our time with the Borg and spaceships and amassing property and trying to get people under our wing. Why don't we go to this fascinating, philosophically unexplored place where we can actually understand what we're meant to understand f- from the universe. Uh, that's That I think is a, a good definition in terms of Star Trek and The Traveler. Just for, Just ideologically, The Traveler is a character that is the complete anti entity antithesis of what Star Trek characters are usually about. All Star Trek characters are typically involved in real world squabbles. they're deeply invested in an emotional conflict that involves either other characters or other cultures or 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 a particular time and place. The traveler has none of that. The traveler is a character whose entire purpose is to understand uh, the first main a uh, really profound quote that that comes up with him in the sh- in the show that that attaches to our topic today is when Picard leans over him on where no one has gone before and asks, "What is the purpose of his journey?" And then the Traveler immediately replies, "Curiosity." I think that is such a good connection uh, to us as human beings, particularly young, starry-eyed people who who read philosophical books, who read fiction that makes them think, who like sci-fi that makes them think, who like things that are beyond spaceships fighting each other. Uh, the Traveler in that way is such a thinker-heavy character. He's there to make you feel and understand things that you didn't even think of possible. It's a it's a very good mirror to those of us that might not immediately respond to the Star Reads journey, wouldn't you say?
0: I I would agree uh, in in the sense that that you know um Star Trek is definitely a a show that tries to to represent humanity and 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 explore humanity more than it's exploring space and of course there's been a lot of wonderful science science that has come out of the science fiction within Star Trek um you know to to represent the traveler as sort of that distillation of wonder um, that Gene Roddenberry himself had, I think, is 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 a really good point to make. Part of me wonders, though, if his his arrival on the scene of Star Trek in the fifth episode of the first season, which I mean, though I do have to say, I, I enjoy watching it for for my own sake. If I was to try to get someone into Star Trek, I definitely wouldn't start with the first season of the Next Generation. It's it's a little chaotic. Um, I think it's really trying to find its feet still. And, and I wonder sometimes if maybe on a, on a practical level, that's why the traveler had such a hard, a hard start was because he was, he was placed very early into, um, into the season and into the series when the series was still trying to figure out what it was like. Imagine if it showed up, uh, imagine if he showed up or she, you know, the traveler, can we really call him he or she or it, but we'll, we'll go with he just for, for the sake of it because a male actor plays him. Um, but he shows up you know in in a in a kind of a confusing time so what i'm sort of wondering here is is can we instead look at uh, look at him more objectively because i think maybe sometimes he gets couched into the first season of Star Trek and a lot of people go, well, that's the season with Code of Honor, you know, and, and stuff like that. And that makes you be like, Ugh, uh, you know, it's all kind of weird synthy stuff and kind of cheesy effects and everyone's still wearing pajamas rather than those lovely kind of Mandarin style outfits that, that we see later. I don't know. You're right.
1: You're right. That is that is that is the lowest point of Star Trek, I will That's another point that I'll consider is that Code of Honor is as low as Star Trek has gone. But I think the Traveller episodes, particularly where no one has gone before, is one of the higher points that the show has gone to. It's that very Roddenberry, very Carl Sagan, very Stephen Hawking, very Neil deGrasse Tyson, just very futuristic idea of there is a place in the universe that nobody has ever gone to, where time, space, and thought originate. There is this. There is this place that, uh, to to quote uh, Picard's mother in that episode, "Is this the big be- the end of the universe, or is this the beginning? If if a place where you start is where all time, space, and thought originate, just imagine the places you could go to from there. Imagine how different our universe would be if everybody were." connected to what the traveler had in mind
0: well you know that that's a that's basically i think to hear that at the writers meeting uh, when they would have had it back in you know 1986 or, or something like that putting this all together i think an argument like that came forward my counterpoint or at least my my question about that is um you know they go to this place where time and thought uh and space all kind of intermingle with each other and um you know it doesn't even bo- to bother even saying what what started it is doesn't matter that sort of stuff i would say if that's so important they go there for that episode and then they proceed to not go there for several seasons and they they have their kind of interpersonal squabbles and stuff like that and do all these other sorts of more practical things you know i mean and and definitely they they get into that higher end um of uh of thinking and philosophy of star trek but you know the traveler shows up sets this bar like you say and then proceeds to not show up again for several several seasons i think season three is the next time he shows up and then season seven um very very at the end right um so i wonder sometimes if, if that's maybe one of the issues is is he he places this this large you know, kind of overarching idea, this, you know, go to new sets of the universe, new places, different galaxies, M33, let's go, let's get out of here. And then they spend most of their time after that in the alpha, uh, beta, and maybe a bit of the gamma quadrant, and that's it.
1: I would like to think, just because I'm a Trek lover and an optimist, that after the Enterprise came back, they at least reported their findings about such a place existing, and they might have sent a few science vessels there with the uh, with the help of whatever technology ha- they had on their on their hand at that point. But I don't think uh, also you can get there without the traveler because his, he, he tells us that he's a lens to focus thought on. He tells us that he can fold time and space and you see him phase in and out of our reality so he can take us to these places. I do think uh, fundamentally the reason why we don't see a whole lot of him Is because of the audience response is after after you told me about about the the hate for this character, I went in and looked at a lot of it and it comes from a place of fanboyism. It comes from a place of that is not the Trek I know, except that it is so much the Trek, you know, it just isn't presented to you in the in the form that you are usually treated to so that's why they said we don't want to have another character that is pewing philosophy because we already have picard to do that we have data to do that we have all these other characters that are there to give us philosophy we don't want another character doing that show us the fights, show us the effects show us what we came for give us our money's worth i think there was a lot of because that's the goal of, of of Star Trek, or at least one of the goals, is to get a big fan base, to get to make a to make a lot of money, which the show succeeded on, but one of the casualties or something like that was a great food for thought that was provided through a character like the traveler. Here's this character that is sitting in front of you, this, this space Carl Sagan, the space Socrates, who's telling you, hey, I'm going to, my entire purpose here is to understand. I just want to know what there is to know, and I already know and understand so much but there is so much more to know can we just go there and explore that I I think that is to the show's misfortune uh, a, an opportunity that wasn't explored enough
0: wait are you saying that uh, uh, there were some people who were really upset with a change in uh, in the way Star Trek was run in the 80s I thought that was something only we have now just joking. Um, <laughs> he beats that sad oh, He's eating pizza, said Fatty. Doesn't it? Pretty, I guess yeah. the, you know the other thing, that, and there's a lot that you've said there that I kind of want to unpack. Like, first of all, you know, yeah, they go to a completely different galaxy for ten ish minutes, and then they go to the end of the universe for probably twenty ish minutes, and you know, you're just hoping, hoping that you know someone is you know hit hit the record button as we do sometimes when we have our long podcast chats, and it's like, oh, we didn't record any of that. Whoopsie doodle. Or you know, imagine you know that. Kind kind of beardy um, and chief engineer. I don't know what, I I can't remember what happens to him, but obviously that becomes Geordie later. So Mr. Beardy disappears. Maybe he like had the data key or something and like, you know, dropped it down a vent and he's like, oh crap, they're going to fire me for this or something. I don't know. Um, (laughs) The other piece of that though is, is uh, another maybe kind of connection is you're saying he's folding space and time. He can get places really, really fast. I wonder if he knows any tardigrades and if he hangs out with them at all, because he's also <laughs> representing a form of, like, horrifically efficient space travel. But, yeah, it, it comes at the cost of him, like, phasing out <laughs> of existence um, to do it. So, you know, if, if we yeah, were it's a Tardigrade it's, it's, in every ship or a traveler in every ship, you know, boy, we'd be getting everywhere really fast.
1: That's right. But uh, I'm sure with the traveler, there would be a lot less. He clearly looks uh, much less physically intimidating than the Tardigrade, So I, I wouldn't think people would immediately go to the tardigrade as compared to our friend, the Traveler. But I also think it's incredible the, the the way that episode ends is, it's not just him traveling through time and space. Picard goes on the space intercom and tells everyone, hey guys, think yourself giving your strength to the Traveler. So it's not just him, he has gotten everyone on the ship thinking their way back into the back into the present, from this crazy future that they've gone to. It's so fascinating that everybody on that ship unknowingly went to a place and they they ended up in that kerfuffle. But the way they came back was not as a disjointed group, but everyone fused into one big thought bubble. They were all one individual, one entity, who was folding time and space? I think that is such a good metaphor for the possibilities that we can 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 get to in our lives if we all mingled in harmony and peace in our world.
0: You know, it's it's that kind of single singular resonance that that they that Picard is quite a, uh, as a matter of fact ordering them to do. But it, I don't know. There, there's something that almost kind of um, harkens for me to. Uh, you know that moment. Uh, I've studied martial arts for a long time, and in karate, we always uh, go into zazen from kneeling in what's called seiza. You know, so you kneel down and you just sort of shut your mind off for a second. Everyone kind of get tries to get into the same headspace. No, no words are said or anything like that. You know, I almost wonder if perhaps um, that's that's an element of it. Um, that that you know, if if we can all just get ourselves into the right headspace, really, there's nothing we can't do. Um, I also wonder too. Um, you know, I I was raised um, in a Roman Catholic family, and and we would get together to uh, to to pray together from time to time. Now, obviously, that doesn't happen for me as much anymore, but um, you know, I often I often found myself kind of in a similar space uh, as the people who I was with, my family members, friends, or or, or anyone who who had joined us. For that. So, you know, regardless of, of what maybe your, your faith is, um, there is something centering to to everyone just sort of focusing on the same thing. And uh, I often think, you know, wow, you know, if we could actually center ourselves like that, maybe we can travel faster than warp.
1: It's, it's certainly uh, interesting. And I will preface my thoughts, because I know we discussed this uh, before about religion and a character like the traveler. Uh, all I'll preface my thought by saying that it is not our intention with this podcast to offend people. But there are things that need to be said that we believe what represent what the show is about. We need to re-examine things both in Star Trek and in the real world. Religions uh, tend to to preach uh, equality. They tell us that we're all one and the same. But for being one and the same, gods across our religions are awfully tribal, aren't they? They, they come across as as figures that clearly are choosing one person over another, they talk about how you need to believe, you need to show your faith to me in a certain way. Uh, and this is not just Christianity, it's it's uh, Islam, it's Hinduism, it's uh, religions that you can think of that have gods, usually tend to be favoring a certain school of thought over another, while the traveler is the exact opposite. His entire purpose of existence is, I really don't care about the things that are happening in your world, because what I care about is so far removed. I want to go where time, space, and thought come from. I want to see where that originated. I want to stand in front of the face of what we all think is God and ask him questions. I do not care about your you trying to find another planet.
0: I would say to a degree, though, um, there is something. I, I feel very much like the traveler has a thing for the crushers. Um, he 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 picks you know he picks uh wesley once he sees wesley's abilities you know and i can't i can't help but but notice that that he does take sort of a liking to him now his um his relationship with with wesley i would say is very sort of there's a detachment to a degree he lets we- wesley do his own thing he lets wesley um you know by by journey's end um wesley's pretty frustrated and the traveler hasn't been there to uh to, to interact with him really at all so you know my 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 argument may not stand up fully but you know if you think about the 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 more known religions you know when god comes to to speak to the people um, there is a a, a a definitely an affirmation of i have taken interest in you you know um, uh, you are, you are important to me and I'm, I'm really coming from, you know, cause I was raised in, in, in Western society, like the three monotheisms, right? Uh, Islam, Judaism, and uh, Christianity, um, in that, you know, you, you do have a God that has taken great interest, uh, in a specific person or people, um, and and maybe there's a parallel there we could we could say with with the traveler and Wesley, but yeah, that would to pre that would presuppose that that the traveler is himself a god, and I don't think he professes that. I don't think he's interested in being that. He's much more interested in, like you said, the journey, the curiosity.
1: Uh, absolutely, the job tra- You're. Uh, I would completely accept that argument if instead of the traveler you said Q. Q comes very much like space Loki to Picard and says i have taken an interest in you i am going to play around with you and, and just have fun with you q is m- a much better representation of that side of god than the traveler is the traveler if if any if anything is really he's the man on the mountain he's he's the character who in in any fiction is telling us nothing matters he he's telling you what you're doing will ultimately not uh, will not matter in the bigger realm of things. But don't worry, because there is such a big, big, unfathomable, unforeseeable, incredible experience waiting for you to happen. Uh, I told you the story earlier, but I'll also tell it for our listeners because I don't think it's talked about enough. It's the story of the Bhagavad Gita and uh, where it started. The Bhagavad Gita starts with a prince Having a crisis of faith, he's having a he's standing in front of a battlefield with tens of thousands of soldiers uh, and the tens of thousands of soldiers are being led by his own brothers. and the there is a war. In Hinduism, that is one of our great epics. It's called the Mahabharata, which translates to the, the Great War. And in that war, what, what essentially is happening is a, a prince and his brothers are forced to fight their own brothers. It's a it's a battle between families. And just as, his, as he's about to go out into this battlefield, he stops and looks at the fact that if he draws his sword, the blood that that sword will draw will be of his brothers. And he cannot handle that. So he falls to his knees and starts crying in front, of the, in front of everyone at the battlefield just as he's about to start this war and begin this great epic. Uh, and that's when his charioteer, who is Lord Krishna, one of the avatars of Vishnu, who's, our, uh, who's one of our trinity, sits him down and tells him, you're worrying about something that essentially is is so irrelevant in the realm of greater things. What you're doing today is your duty, but you're really contributing to a cog in the giant machine of the universe. And then Krishna becomes the universe. He transforms himself into his into his fully realized avatar. And he shows that inside himself is this prince, his brothers, their generations of families, everything in the world and the universe. And he says, everything is within me. And What you're worrying about is so minute and it's so and your duty is minute, but it's important for you to fulfill this so the universe can go on.
0: That's uh, yeah. When you told me that, it really, I mean, that definitely made me think to uh, to Carl Sagan when he has the uh, the voyager probe is uh, is orbiting saturn at the moment it's doing its slingshot and it's taking pictures and they're like well well let's take some more pictures and he's like great take a picture of earth and they do and it's that pale blue dot and he's like wow just think of really how insignificant we are in, in this vast cosmic dark, you know, um, the rivers of blood, you know, you've mentioned the idea of a sword being drawn spilling the blood of brothers. Right. And really, I mean, I think that's the one big thing that I'm I'm finding out as I get older here is humans, all of us, I mean, we're all one species, we're all brothers and sisters. We, we really need to start treating each other that way because this is getting pretty stupid, but outside of that, <laughs> outside of that, um, You know, he he says, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe by looking at it this way, you can fully understand just how incredibly insignificant this, this conflict that you're, that you're pushing is. And, and, and to a degree, maybe, maybe it'll kind of reduce our self importance. And, and maybe that's another thing about the traveler that I, that I appreciate. And what I sort of connected to that was again, from that first where no man has gone before, um, where well, no one has gone before. I'm sorry, yes, where no one has gone <laughs> My apologies. I've been watching a lot of TOS, um, <laughs> and uh, Star Trek continues. Uh, go watch that show, everyone, please. Um, but, anyways, not now. Listen to the rest of the podcast, then go watch. It. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, please. We have we
1: have very very interesting things that would please. Like you are listen to.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so the traveler almost curtly turns to I believe it was Wesley and just or or to either Riker or Picard and he just says, Oh, your specie only now merits serious investigation. Right? Like Yeah. To an audience in nineteen eighty seven, right, are watching a person who's representing a a sort of a, a fourth um or a fourth four-dimensional being who says to people 400 years from where the 1987 viewers are watching saying that only now 400 years in the future from 1987 does your spirit does sorry does your species uh, merit any real inve- uh, any serious investigation and for me that's that I don't know, There, there's a moment of like, what? No, we're interesting. Like, I mean, we always talk about how interesting we are as people. And it's like, hmm, I don't know, you know, I often, people often say, you know, like, you know, oh, are aliens visiting Earth and stuff? And, you know, are we being visited? And I, I went to Star Trek Las Vegas, obviously. And, and when I left, um, when I left Las Vegas and McCarran Airport, I picked up a book uh, about aliens, just for the interest of it, and read it on the flight back, but then i I, I stopped and was like, "Are we really that interesting to aliens? Would we be like are are, are we that cool I mean, uh, I think about oh. radiohead, um you know of all these were people who lock up their spirits, drill holes in themselves, and live for their secrets. um I don't know, so that that definitely resonated for me and when you when you brought up that that idea of um uh, the avatar uh, of of uh, Vishnu, Krishna's, you know, getting to the size of the universe and saying, "See, um, yeah," I think sometimes to accept your own insignificance is is a type of growth. The idea
1: that aliens might find is interesting is so out there. Uh, excuse the pun it's it certainly uh, it certainly seems uh, like we we do seem a little too self important. If if somebody were to map out our history, our species history in specifically, all they would find is one version or another of us fighting for our resources. That is really all that we've done. And maybe through a few objects in space. That's as far as we've gone. So I don't know if we merit the interest, so I completely see where the traveler is coming from. And uh, speaking, uh, speaking about when you say we are all one species and we should stop fighting because this is stupid, you immediately make me think of the first from the chase. And really, we both are calling it the first because there is no name for these humanoids. Uh, in the episode, The Chase, uh, the first tell everybody standing there, the Klingons, the Romulans, everybody standing there, they tell them, you all are coming from my body. We are all one and the same. Stop fighting. This is stupid.
0: And then and, the Dominion War happens.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh it's uh there is there is definitely a connection between the first and and the traveler i think the the race of the traveler if there really is a race or maybe or maybe their species are beyond our human understanding which also i find fascinating uh might have existed through time and space and they might have been there and these are some of the things that they know already is that yeah, everybody is one and the same. They are really fighting about things that they'll ultimately all come together on. And that's not what we should be worried about. We should be worried about what's next, what's after that, what else is waiting there in the unknown for us. Uh, but on the flip side of that, there is a character like Q. Q is, he's uh, he's maniacal, he's selfish, he's cynical, he wants his way. That is com- the complete opposite of The Traveler. The Traveler can shapeshift the traveler can fold time and space the traveler is a lens to focus thought so there is a little bit of of superhumanity or superheroism within this character that he can very well exploit but he chooses not to yeah because because his motivations are so different than q's
0: my question is can he manifest a mariachi band because you <laughs> can do that um, no, you know, I, I like that idea of of how he and he and Q are are so um, so different, and and you know, you look at you look at again the audience reaction. Um, Q really shouldn't have been a, a character to to make it through, but I believe it was uh, um, a f- fellow uh, friend podcasters uh, Dan and Bill who just mentioned how how much of a, a good uh, a great. Actor John Delancey is—he just delivers it every single time, and and you know I'm not trying to say that the actor who played the Traveler isn't a good actor by any stretch. I think he he does a fantastic job, but um, yeah, I think I think we enjoy the um, the person who can come in and just kick down the card castle, which is kind of what Q tends to do, right? He uh, he, um, I, I still don't think I'm quite over him introducing us to the Borg. Um, I don't think I'm over him uh just, just bothering Picard all of the time. Just really just Picard's such a nice guy and, you know, oh go away kind of thing back and forth. And I've always loved how Cisco reacts. Just punches him in the face, you know? And and so with that, you know, I like the idea of Q being sort of this other side of, of omnipotence, right? There's one side that is just so full of awe and wonder. And then there's another one who's just basically schmucky the clown. And he just likes, he just likes to stir, stir the pot. He just likes to spike the punch. He just wants to be the, the nod in the rug uh, constantly.
1: I think that 's what d s nine learned so well is that they realized we need to show both these sides we need to show the on the wonder we need to show man explaining time through baseball and we also need to show th- the possible end of the universe with two people fighting and then we need to we need to have all that within these super beings i think that's I think the traveler and characters like Hugh were touchstones for the prophets uh, that, I think that 's where they came from they decided. If we're going to show these stupid beings, let's not show them as one thing or another. Let's show them as fully realized, fully human, or at least fully understandably human characters with with characteristics that we can relate to. Because the the prophets are over the course of DS Nine, they're they're both good and bad. They bring you they bring you a, they bring you b. They they put you in situations where you quite don't know what's happening, and uh, that's that speaks a little bit to the the ideas that that Star Trek carries and uh, that futuristic sci-fi I can show you is that no matter where you go you'll always have people like the traveler but on the flip side you'll have characters like Q and the Prophets
0: well and also you know uh, to to build on that the uh, the Prophets also really bridge that straight the story of the Prophets really bridge that idea of science and religion right you know to some they're the wormhole aliens and and I, I go back to uh, to what the what the traveler says. You know, he 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 takes interest in Wesley for Wesley's understanding of science, and yet at the same time, he tells Wesley in "Remember me, forget the math, right? Think beyond the math, go somewhere else, get out of there." Um, so that um, that conflict or or struggle or or sort of we can't quite parse out where science should end and you know that spiritualism call it religion or whatever begins it's always very difficult to uh to get that that proper mix and i appreciate star trek for looking into it and and trying to bring that out to varying success rates right obviously um the prophets had a bit better a a bit more realized arc so did q and and the traveler doesn't so do you think that The Traveler is more on the side of science, or do you think he's more on the side of this kind of spiritualism, um, you know, the, the idea of constructed reality through thought? Where where would you put him, Shashank?
1: That is a very good question. Uh, and I think I know why you're asking me that question. Uh, with The Traveler, I think they're both one and the same. I think science, religion, spiritualism, they all are thought. That's what he is about. He talks about how... We can do incredible things with thought. Uh, as we speak, uh, there is a big budget ho- Hollywood movie coming out called Thor. There is an entire argument that the Norse gods that we think of are really space aliens. And so their story is sci-fi. And then there is an entire argument that, no, no, these are gods. We need to pray to them and sacrifice goats to them so they'd be happy. There is there is this idea that is is a thing or an object that teaches about future or gives us a certain point of view, is it God or is it science? And I think the idea with the traveler that never went through and which I'll always be sad for is that he was trying to teach us that it's all one and the same. The the character tells us that time and space are something I can fold. And if you're within time and space and you are something that comes up from your mind is a thought and idea they're they're all one and the same they fall under a a point that that is not the destination but the means to an to an end an end that is so incredible you can't even conceive it conceive of it right now
0: that sort of makes me think here and and I'm probably not going to get it precise but um I believe it was um I forget, I'm forgetting the, uh, the quote right now, and I'm not going to hop on my browser to do it, folks. I'm just going to go ahead. So correct us. This is actually your opportunity to go on Twitter, follow Politrex, or go on Facebook, or both, follow Politrex, and get me up to speed. Who said this? This is our trivia moment. It's trivia. Who said any technology sufficiently advanced will be indistinguishable from magic? That's oh, what, that's a good one. Right? That's, that's I think, maybe where you're getting at here, or kind of how I'm understanding your point, is, is mm-hmm. can the traveler really even be put there? Because he's so far ahead of us that anything he does is going to look like he's pulling a rabbit out of his hat. Whereas if I took my iPhone to, um, I don't know someone in the 1200s and did stuff with it, they'd probably be quite impressed and would think I'm some kind of wizard. I don't know. I, I, I don't know anyone from the 1200s, so I, I, I don't know precisely how they would react, but I would say... Oh, I have some friends. I'll, I'll hook them up with you.
1: They, they like carrier pigeons. You just have to write letters. It's great. I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it after
0: the show. Okay, good, good. So yeah, I think I think maybe, maybe that's a, another little piece of it as well is is we tout ourselves to be so incredibly advanced. Um, and so does our friends in, in the 24th century with, uh, um, Picard and, and his, uh, his ship that, um, maybe there's something almost a little bit, not, uh, not in terms of a danger, but there'd be a, maybe a threat or a, uh, I wouldn't call it a resentment, but, but, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, well, what do you know kind of thing to, to someone who, who does just sort of not bother with the mundane. They don't bother with those sorts of things. They are, they are sort of living in that higher actualization range of human thought that, that we can find ourselves from time to time. But I don't know, it seems like every now and again, just like Q, we have to go back and kick down the card castle because we get bored or frustrated or something.
1: Absolutely. We, these people exist on a separate plane of thought. their mind starts with the clouds in which we daydream. Uh, And the traveler is just not a fictional character that exists in a realm of fiction. We've had people like that over time. We've had Socrates, we've had Aristotle, we've had Leonardo da Vinci, we've had Buddha. uh, And there is one philosopher that I'd like to take uh, this opportunity to tell you about from India. But before I get to that, it's very important to realize that these are people that we are asked to study when we are children. And when we're young and our minds are impressionable, their quotations are read to us, their lives are told to us, and they tell us this is a good way to live. And somehow over time, that just becomes a the idea of a of a good, fully realized life becomes different. We we start our heroes become different. Uh, that's a throwback to our first episode, Heroes Often Fail, which you should listen to if you already haven't. Uh, you should they, they teach us that there are that these are people, people who think differently, who who have different ideas, who can who look at ways differently. That's the way to go. But somehow over time it's a flaw within our, our human programming. That that's not what we tend to gravitate to, and I think that's another crime that happened to the traveler is that we never went there. Speaking of uh, just the just crime to the traveler, uh, I would like to take this opportunity to tell us, uh, tell everyone listening about Eric Maniuk, the, the the actor who played the character. Uh, should we should we get into that a little bit, Barry?
0: I think so, and then um, and then I wouldn't mind learning more about. Uh, the uh, Indian philosopher from the early 20th century. So we'll start uh, with Mr. Menyuk, and then we'll uh, we'll move on um, beyond that.
1: Okay, uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but we just wanted to give a shout out to Eric Menyuk, uh, the actor who played The Traveler. Uh, in research for our show, we studied up on the actor, and after finishing his role on Star Trek, he uh, retired from acting. And he joined the law school for personal decisions, and he's now attorney fighting an attorney fighting for uh, children with disabilities and children children's rights in general. So we're just sending some podcast love to him, uh, and we hope he listens to this. Uh, uh, we we just think the traveler is an incredible character, and he's a wonderful human being.
0: Yeah, to to build on that. Uh... My older brother is uh, 39 as of uh, the time of recording. He's 39 just just recently. And uh, my brother was born with cerebral palsy and epilepsy quite severe and uh, was never fully able to walk or talk. Um, Spent a lot of his um, early adult life in and out of status epileptus um, from his seizure activity. Um, He's also uh, had pneumonia a number of times in his very much come close to death. So I've mentioned before that I'm I'm a teacher. I'm a school teacher. But my brother is the real teacher here um, about the value of life and uh, to know that uh, Mr. Menyuk has gone on to um, fight for the people like my brother um, that uh, that really means a lot and and uh, sort of sells me on on the concept of who the traveler is as well because I think he's a he's a teacher as well and so that that that's just something that really means a lot so uh yes mr Manick, if you're listening um thank you thank you for what you do uh it's wonderful and it's amazing that uh people like yourself um have fought hard to allow it so that uh my brother can live 39 years um when even if he was born 10 years earlier he would have never made it this far it's uh it's a wonderful thing to to know that my brother can still uh can still enjoy this world and explore and uh, and do things that uh, people of his operational level may not have been able to do just just a short while ago
1: that is that is beautiful i am i'm fortunate that we can do something like that through our podcast uh, is give out give out love to people who definitely deserve it and uh, i will i will try to read your quotation because i think that is the best way to getting to know this philosopher he's the philosopher that immediately i thought of when i first ran into the traveler on TNG. He's a philosopher that is very well known across India. Uh, If you stop anyone on the street, the chances are that person would know who this philosopher is, even though he lived over 100 years ago and did not live a very long life. uh, the, the, The quote is as follows. We are what our thoughts have made us. So take care about what you think. Words are secondary. Thoughts live. They travel far. The philosopher's name is Swami Vivekananda, and he was born in 1863 and died in 1902. He's uh, generally regarded as the first Indian philosopher, the first Hindu philosopher, to bring Hinduism into the mainstream of the world. He's very well known for making a speech at the Parliament of World Religions in Chicago uh, in in the late 19th century, uh, toward the end of the century. He's... Uh, He's very well known for bridging the gap between people who have an idea of a god and people who are spiritual. His 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 thought process and his quotations and his way of life is is very much revolves around. You don't need to have an idea of a bearded god, or or a lady god, or a or a group of gods. You you need to have something that you feel is spiritual to you. Something that that you think will Transcend your existence beyond your body and and cling to that idea, cling to that power, and realize that we are all one and the same. Realize that our, our power lies within ourselves as a species. Realize that no matter what your struggle is, no matter who your God is, it's important much more to have that power so you can live your life in a fully realized way as opposed to clinging to one idea of one face of one body. That Swami Vivekananda very much to me is a real world version of the traveler. He he taught the entire world about how it's important not to rely on a certain human definition of a God because that is so small, but instead to understand that everybody's struggle is what makes them the same. Everybody's faith is what makes them the same. And the power of humanity is that we are all... Stronger when we understand that we're really just one entity.
0: That's a that's a fascinating outlook, and and I'm just sort of getting to know Swami Vivekananda, and I don't think I said his name properly, but that's uh, I'm 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 still picking that up to a degree. But uh, you know, the idea that 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 you know we are stronger together um because of our differences and those differences if understood as really just different maybe almost sort of avatars um because we've used that word quite a bit here can can bring us together a lot more what uh what i always like is the idea of the enemy's story is a lot like mine and uh if you think about it that way you don't want to hurt them um because if we if we do if we do separate ourselves by this and that and and, and you know maybe even to a level of belief that can, that can really hurt us. And uh, obviously I come from a Western background um, uh, raised in a Christian household. And I think about, you know, the philosophies of Jesus Christ and and a lot of things that he, you know, think about who he hung out with, right. He hung out with the poor, he hung out with the, the, the outcast because he saw in them um, beauty and, and goodness. And, and, you know, to, to maybe, to maybe connect that to a degree, who would he be hanging out with right now? Um, I think him and uh, Swami uh, Vive in Canada would, uh, would probably enjoy each other's company to a degree, if that's the case, because they're, they're looking at something maybe a little bit deeper. To go back to the traveler on that, uh, and my question to you there is, mm-hmm. when you saw the traveler, did you think immediately about this philosopher, or, or did this take some time?
1: the The most intriguing thing, even when everybody who's listening will at some point go back and watch where no one has gone before, the most intriguing thing about the traveler is that he has a smile on his face. It's a. Uh, it's very. It's not immediately noticeable. It's it's subtle. Uh, he has a little grin. He almost is taking comfort in knowing where everything is going to go and i think my theory is that he his definition of reality is different from ours and he almost sees what is going to happen when he gets on that sh- on that ship which is why when everybody's in deep panic you'll see that that he never raises his voice he never expresses a, a lot of fear or apprehension there is a smile to him that that led me to believe oh this this character is going to be different this this character is not Uh, like everybody else and he has the outlook of a philosopher too if you look at him this guy can fold time and space right yeah it's ridiculous that a man who can fold time and space wouldn't be a little more of a showman than he is he's wearing a simple robe and he has no jewelry on him he all he has is a little suitcase that he uses to i'm guessing repair uh, ships i do think even the the little case that he's asked to carry is uh it's it's uh, it's meant to throw people away because he's when we when we're introduced he's shown as an apprentice.
0: Uh, yeah, to a complete and total turd as well. Kaczynski, yeah, I'm. Um, I was watching Trek ranks, um, or, or I was going through Trek ranks and seeing what uh, the illustrious Mister Jim Morehouse was having to say about it. And yeah, uh, Kaczynski's a total turd, and and it's interesting how how yeah he sort of yeah it's the perfect it's the perfect shield. It's
1: a. Uh, to a character like that he even even when we meet him later on he's never a showman he's he never has something that would give him an air of oh i am more powerful than you are if if anything he looks harmless and a little frail which is very interesting because eric Maniuk was once considered to play the role of data he was a finalist he almost got there and i think this was uh, what the show gave him as consolation for him to uh, for for his participation in uh, his contribution to the auditions. Uh, but yeah, the, the character itself is a complete physical and and mental uh, departure from each other. And when I looked at that, I, even if you look at pictures of Swami Vivekananda, uh, and he spelled V-I-V-E-K-A-N-A-N-D-A, if you just type that in, you'll find a lot of pictures of him. He's, he's usually wearing a robe, a robe that fully covers him. Uh, and he's wearing a turban, and that's that's all that he's always worn. Uh, and so when I when I saw that air of austerity, that air of simplicity that the traveler had, my head immediately went to, oh, that reminds me of Vivekananda because Vivekananda had all the knowledge in the world. He had, he power is the wrong word. He was he was very popular. He he was known. Around uh, different parts of the world, uh, as as someone under a colonized nation, this was a lot of uh, uh, a lot of control to exercise. And he, at no point do you see him being a showman about it. He's such a he's such an austere, simple person. So that that connection immediately put both of them together in my head.
0: Would you say that uh, that um, there might be a bit of a like a, an agreement, or a parley, or a, maybe even an inspiration for for Gandhi later.
1: Absolutely, uh, I, I do think uh, you should you should know that before Gandhi became what he became, he used to be a lawyer. So he was he was he he was compelled and obliged to dress a certain way. And I think he saw that people responded to austerity and simplicity. So uh, not only was that personal, he realized I have a chance to make a statement. By giving up these these earthly clothes, and there was a whole movement where uh, he inspired the entire country to bring out uh, all their clothes and all uh, specifically all their British-made clothes and belongings, and they used to burn them in the streets as part of their social revolution. They rejected these English goods and said we're going to make our own clothes because we are our own country and we don't need to be controlled by the British. And that came from I would I would be very surprised if Swami Vivekananda wasn't a touchstone for Gandhi and several other uh, revolutionaries who, who were desperate for our voice to be opened up.
0: So if we were to take the, the traveler's ethos then, um, curiosity, to, you know, there is a point where, where, you know, Beverly Crusher in Remember Me is stuck in her own phase world, the warp bubbles closing on her and... Wesley is frustratingly trying to get her to go through the the, the little um, kind of the connector, the connection between the warp bubble and reality, um, and he's like, "I can't get her to go through." And, and at that moment, the the traveler says, "You know, she must choose to walk through it herself." Um, if we were to juxtapose that to the Prime Directive. Do you think there's there's a bit of a conversation there that if we were to say you know like what the prime directive is with the federation, you know to choose to walk through yourself and and the federation's choice to not communicate with warp ready societies is there is there something there?
1: Uh, there is, but there, there is also uh, an an immediate revelation that you'll have when you look at both of these. Uh, you're right. Uh, the prime directive states that people can choose whether or not to communicate with us, but so often at least from all the stats like we've seen, a lot of the adventures revolve around people violating that directive. And that shows our human flaw. While the traveler clearly tells Wesley she has to choose to walk through it herself, and she does, and that's how Remember Me is resolved, a lot of the resolutions that do not come to fruition on our show is because people violate the Prime Directive. One way or another, knowingly or unknowingly, uh, usually, through our narrow-minded definition of "hey," may, of "hey," maybe what he's doing is for the greater good. Some just an idea like that immediately goes to violating the prime directive. So there is this. I think that's another fascinating expose on the traveler. Is traveler is he's he's a body of thoughts, and everything he does is conceived, made, starts, and ends with thought. But Starfleet's prime directive is thought and action. It tells you this is the rule, so you end up breaking it and you find a way around it. So there is that there is that immediate uh, dichotomy between what happens if a thought is pure and what happens if a thought is violated or abused.
0: That's fascinating. The idea of thought versus action, and then thought and action. Um, you know, I'm I'm I'm. I'm brought to uh, I'm brought around to you know you were talking about uh, um, a historical figure from from your country uh, Swami Vivekananda, and I can't good job I did it I did it Yay! Um, I'm brought to a member of Canadian history by the name of Chief Poundmaker. Poundmaker was a Cree chief in the late 1800s who gave himself up after a successful battle against the Northwest Mounted Police, a proto version of the RCMP that we would know today. He gives himself up and um, basically for the sake of just ensuring that his people won't see any more physical fighting. Of course, his people are subject to a different type of violence over the next 150 years, but uh, Poundmaker's whole intention is to ensure that he is instead taken instead of his people. What I see about that is uh, a transcendent experience actually I had at his grave site. Um, I felt I felt almost communicated with, to be honest, and I can't really explain it, and I don't really have to. I don't think. Um, sometimes they are just things you feel, and the uh, the traveler communicates with with Wesley right off the bat, and it takes a long time for Wesley to kind of figure out where he's supposed to be uh, with everything. And I, I felt something very similar to that. And so, though Poundmaker isn't a direct representation of the traveler. He is definitely sending me a very specific message about where I stand in my own country's history as someone from a different side of that history from Poundmaker, but still an inheritor of that history. And so, with that, I also think about Picard uh, in that episode, the final episode, Journey's End, and how he ends up being told that if he doesn't do anything about this, he sort of inherits the crimes of his ancestors. With that, I think about what I need to do, and I, I try to do it as much as I can as a teacher, and that's uh, open up that discussion as a Canadian, as a Canadian citizen, to the little Canadian citizens who I get to spend my days with every single day. Um, the traveler's story is one of patience with someone who isn't quite there yet, and I feel very much like a person who isn't quite there yet. But there is sort of a single minded approach to it, and I think uh, Swami Vivekananda brings that up with his. Very, very important quote. Arise awake and
1: stop not till the goal is reached.
0: Exactly, and and I think about uh, you know the the goal that the uh, the indigenous First Nations people in the episode have, and they're they're not going to walk away from that goal because there's something greater at stake. Uh, the same thing would, would would stand to reason for the traveler as well. Um, he has a goal, and that goal is is larger than than the people around him and the people with him. Um, and it takes a while for Wesley to realize that he's a part of that goal as well. And uh, I, I appreciate those those little connections that we can make to these uh, these characters, even though they are to some degree maybe maligned in our larger uh, Trek family. But um, that's something that, that I think kind of sort of finished things off nicely for me with The Traveler. He uh, he represents something, something greater, if not maybe realized as well as we would have liked. Um, I think it's important.
1: I think in that regard, The Traveler achieves his ambition uh he was able to uh, for you evoke someone from your culture that represents something noble and for me was able to evoke someone from my culture that was so noble and now we are able to b- preach about them we are able to bring to the airwaves voices that people would not have known otherwise so i think in that regard the traveler is a is a fascinating character to say the least but also a character that is, is stronger than people give him credit for. Before we jump into your final thoughts, I will, I will try to conclude our main topic today by just talking a little bit more about what I think is an injustice. I really think uh, one of the things that the show could have done but didn't is spend more time with the traveler. I'm sure there are people who would have sat and watched hundreds of episodes uh, like where no one has gone before, that are so far removed from what Star Trek represents usually, because the transcendence that you were talking about, the transcendence of we don't matter, things, every, what matters is waiting to yet, to be yet discovered. That idea is what Star Trek aspires to. On its best day, that's what Star Trek should have been about. And it's it's about a lot of other things too. It's it's about humanity. It's about uh, groups. It's about uh, people's emotions. It's about ideas. It's about there are four lights. It's about that. I, I get that part, but it's it's unfair that an idea like the travelers wasn't given as much time as the character deserved. Uh, and. Uh, for our what if today for our for our episodes, what if we would like to uh, if for people who have uh, who might not know what if is a is, is a little segment that we like to do where we give we give you some food for thought and something you can ponder over uh, in your own mind and share with us through our Facebook page or our Twitter page about how it would have gone today's what if is what if Wesley, in the future, had become one of the Travelers. And we had a spin-off show or a spin-off series about the Traveler and that Traveler was our older Eric Manukes Traveler and Wesley Crusher, the Traveler. How would that have gone? What conflicts would we have had? And would that show uh, be a much different Star Trek than the Star Trek we know? Uh, But coming back to our Traveler, the Traveler that we were gifted with, uh, there is a there is there are there is a universe of ideas within that character. That character invokes some of the best people that our that our world was able to come up with. And I think it's an injustice that that character is not given the credit that he deserves. But we are so lucky to have him, and he he leads us to so many different better things. Uh, and. On, on on its best day if Star Trek is so lucky The Traveller is what it should aspire to be uh, and to end there is one quote in Where No One Has Gone Before that Picard says uh, when they get to the end of the universe he says any time entry is meaningless and that I think is where The Traveller begins uh, Barry, let's go into your final thoughts on this
0: Shashank said, we're moving into our final thoughts. Uh, this is where we uh, oftentimes will we'll just sort of conclude all of the things, or at least come up with some final insights that uh, give us better understanding of where we decided to, uh, to explore in Polatrex today. And I get the honors uh, this episode, because uh, Shashank got to come up with the idea for the episode, so I get to have the last word. It's only fair. It's only fair. It is only fair. So my final thoughts start this way maybe just maybe we as a fandom aren't ready for the traveler yet much like Wesley when he was in that amazingly crazy looking corded turtleneck thing uh, in uh, where no one has gone before that he wasn't quite ready to travel with the traveler yet and it took many seasons for him to get to that point point. and in that time Wesley had some ups and he had some downs and he messed up a few times with uh, fake Tom Paris um, and uh, had other, other issues and (laughs) wore some, wore some funny outfits and whatnot. I have a great deal of respect for Mr. Will Wheaton um, and what he did with that character, but it wasn't only just the fact that, that he wasn't ready, but uh, he had to go through a lot to get to the point that he could travel with the traveler. And as a fandom, we are currently going through something of an upheaval, and it's something that I don't necessarily want to go too in-depth on, but obviously there has been some talk over um, the new Star Trek series. And I think what this new Star Trek series is doing is it's testing our metal. It's seeing what we're made of. It's trying to show us where we, uh, where we have some weak points in the armor that is the, uh, the great suit that is the Star Trek fandom. And I think until we can figure those things out, we're not going to be ready for those bigger episodes, and things could end up descending into that kind of pew-pew, let's-blow-up-stuff action schlock that sometimes passes itself off for science fiction. Star Trek is about thinking, and it's about people. It's about us, and it's about how we react to each other. It's about how we interact with each other. And it's about our belief systems, both religious, political, spiritual, personal, moral, all of those things. We challenge ourselves with Star Trek. And so in those challenges, sometimes um, we can find characters that maybe we don't relate to or connect with as well. Uh, and that's our prerogative as people who consume star trek but maybe we're just not ready for a character like the traveler we prefer the uh the mischievous Q or the uh, mysterious yet extremely invested um wormhole aliens or prophets instead for our fourth four-dimensional uh, uh species in that though i would ask anyone if they get some time on a rainy or snowy day to uh, pop open their favorite to uh, internet streaming service or their dvd box set collection and have a have a have another shot at the traveler i gave him another shot and uh i've definitely found more to him finding a bit more about the actor as well um has made me really like that that character even more and seeing something maybe a little bit deeper than maybe i didn't before um it's easy to to poo poo things but uh it's it's difficult to find the good in certain pieces of uh of our fandom, especially in Star Trek. So have another look at them, look at them through maybe some different eyes, step away, um, come back, see if anything changes. And if nothing changes, that's fine, but maybe it will. And if it does, welcome to this side, because Mr. Av- Mr. Avaru, you have uh, won me over for the traveler. And those are my final
1: I am. Thoughts. I am so happy I did. Uh, before we end, I would like to make a declaration and I would see if maybe you'd go with me on this declaration. You ready for this? I am ready. I think the traveler is the most underrated character in Star Trek.
0: Oh boy. Well, there's some more stuff to talk about online. Everybody, you can find us on Paula on Twitter and on (laughs) Facebook. (laughs) I would say he's among, he's among the most underrated. That is for, for absolute sure. Um, Okay, well,
1: that's just one more hurdle for me to get you through. So you're with me in the light. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Polytrax. You can find us on Twitter. At at Polytrax, P O L I T R E K S. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at shashankavaru avaru uh, without spaces on Twitter, S H A S H A N K A V V A R U and my first name, space last name shashankavaru Avaru on Facebook. Uh I would like for us to meet, have met in person or have had a conversation so we can be friends, but I'm not opposed to having social media friends. What about you, Barry?
0: Well, you can find me on Twitter at uh, B-J-O-R-N-D-E-F-J-O-R-D, Bjorn DeFjord, um, uh, on Twitter. And you can find me on Facebook at Barry Deford, just uh, B-A-R-R-Y space D-E-F-O-R-D. Um, we're also going to be moderating our sites, uh, Polytrek sites as well, so feel free to converse with us through that. Um you can also find me on episode six of disco trek uh as of this recording i got the honor to uh, sit down with our illustrious colleagues uh heather and jeff and also shout out to jeff and heather Woo-hoo. Yeah. yeah we're really happy that uh I, i'm really happy that i got to go on there and uh, talk about uh, episode uh, seven of uh, star trek discovery i was on there with uh, mr jamie mcgregor shout out to you my uh my brother from down under. Um, But um, yeah, you can find us in those places. Uh, Obviously again, we always want to plug the idea of uh, supporting us on Patreon. If you find yourself with a little bit of extra change, uh, it's always important to get these, uh, these podcasts up and running. The Tricorder Transmissions Network is a uh, very much a community run podcast. uh, I'm finding we, we do these things ourselves and we always uh, can use a little bit of help. If you find yourself, uh, again, looking for more Star Trek content, you can always hop on the Tricorder Transmissions and look at the other shows that are on there. And if you find yourself with even more time, you can check out uh, uh, two of my good friends, Mr. Dan Davidson and Bill Smith on the Trek Geeks podcast as well. But
1: before you do all of that, you have to go back and watch all the Traveller episodes because the Traveller is the most underrated character in Star Trek. Have a good week, everyone.
0: Live long and prosper.